Welcome to another episode of Army Real Talk, a segment of AUSA's Army Matters podcast. I am Mzinga Curry, AUSA's Director of Education and Programs, and I am so excited about welcoming my new co-host, Lieutenant Colonel C.J. Langley, who is AUSA's new U.S. Army Fellow. Welcome, welcome to the team. Lieutenant Colonel Langley, since this is your first podcast with Army Real Talk, please share a little bit about yourself to our listening audience. Thank you, Ms. Curry. I'm honored to be a member of the AUSA team. Like many of my friends, I grew up in a military serving family. My dad served in the Army during the Korean War, and I have two older sisters. One served in the Army and the other in the Air Force. I continued the family tradition and joined the Army and I have enjoyed an incredible opportunity to serve our nation across the globe, with my most recent assignment being in the headquarters department of the Army, G2, in the Pentagon. You know, Ms. Curry, I'm looking forward to today's podcast with our special guest for this segment, Sergeant First Class DeBose from Arlington Army Recruiting Station and Second Lieutenant Rosman, AUSA's former National Security Analyst and newly commissioned U.S. Army Second Lieutenant, discussing the Army recruiting process and the experience of a recent Army recruit. Welcome to Army Real Talk, Sergeant First Class Du Bois, and welcome back, Second Lieutenant Rosman. Back over to you, Ms. Curry. It's time to get real. Excellent, excellent. I welcome Sergeant First Class and Second Lieutenant as well. I thank you so much for joining us. You know, each of you come from different military specialties as well as backgrounds, so I would love it if you would share a little bit about yourself as well as your career. Sergeant First Class Du Bois, will you please start us off? Hi, hello everyone, and thank you for this opportunity. My name is Sergeant First Class Koya DeBose. I am originally from Alabama. I have two beautiful little girls, Ava and Journey. Ava is six years old and Journey is three right now. I have been in the Army for 12 and a half years. I started off as a logistical specialist and I now work as a Army recruiter where I run a Army recruiting station in Arlington, Virginia. I have really enjoyed my time in the Army. I'm still enjoying my time in the Army. I love just helping people. I'm a huge sports person. I play basketball for the Army. I've traveled the world. I have my bachelor's degree in business management, and I'm just really excited to be here. Excellent. Welcome again. And I have to ask, where in Alabama are you from? I am from a small college town called Troy, Alabama. So if you know of Troy University, that is Troy, Alabama. <laughs> okay. I was just asking. My family's from Lower Peachtree, Alabama. So I was just wondering exactly where. So thank you again for joining us. I look forward to us discussing recruitment and more. All right. So Second Lieutenant, Will you please share a little bit about yourself? Hello, everyone. I'm Second Lieutenant Jeremiah Rosman, and I newly commissioned as a chemical officer. A little bit about me. I, I mean, how do I put this quickly? Because there's so many parts here, so much moving around. I grew up in Vermont. I moved to Israel when I was 18. You know, I moved and served there for religious and cultural reasons. It's always been a dream of mine in the infantry from 2006 until 2009. And then I moved back to the United States, did undergraduate, a bachelor's degree in political science at the University of Vermont, and then got my PhD at the University of Virginia. And in the last two years of my PhD, I worked full-time as the national security analyst for the Association of the U.S. Army, which is very rewarding. And I guess I'll talk about that a little bit more later on. 
I guess I could say I'm kind of also from a military family. My grandfather on my mother's side fought in World War II, and my grandfather on my father's side actually also fought in World War II on our team, but for a different country, he fought for the Soviet Union. And you know, my father moved to the United States fleeing the Soviet persecution. Excellent. Thank you so much. And you know, your AUSA family welcomes you and so excited to hear from you. Ms. Curry, this is an exciting episode, as I can remember like yesterday when I was recruited into the Army and experiencing the whole process myself. Sergeant First Class Du Bois, you volunteered to be a detailed recruiter in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Center City Army Recruiting Station and now serve as the station commander for the Arlington Army Recruiting Station. Can you tell us why you volunteered to be a recruiter? Yes, sir. So I've always wanted to help others. And in this field, I feel like I'm giving back by helping those making it out of similar situations that I've endured prior to joining the Army. And starting off as a recruiter in North Philadelphia, I met a lot of high school kids who were going through a lot of tough times. They had seen a lot of things that I've never witnessed before. And to just be able to help them get out of those situations by joining the Army and just bettering themselves and helping their families out was something that was really near and dear to my heart. Awesome. That's great. Can you share with us the Army's recruiting goal for this year and if there is a certain goal that your recruiting station has each month? So there is a goal. Our goal is to reach as many people that we can and spread the word about the Army. For our station, I run a small recruiting station. We have a quarterly mission, and we have to put at least three regular Army people in and one or two Army Reserve people, as opposed to a larger station who has to do about eight people a quarter, eight regular Army people to about two or three reservists. We just try to put as many people in as we can. It sounds like you guys have a pretty strenuous requirement there. What are some of the challenges of obtaining the recruiting goal amid the pandemic? So during the pandemic, I was actually still in Philadelphia. And starting off, we had a lot of people who were still contacting us and wanting to join, but it was unable to meet face-to-face. We were able to do any processing because of the MEP station being closed, which is the military entrance processing center. We were unable to take people anywhere. So we were trying to figure out how we were going to be able to still process people and put people in the army during the pandemic. And then when having a family trying to manage schoolwork with your children while still trying to contact others and keep people interested in joining the army. So you do such meaningful work, but as we hear, you have some challenges. So tell us, how do you, as a recruiter, encourage someone to join the Army? So I like to find out their why, why they want to join the Army. And from there, I just simply tell them that this is for you. This is something that you want to do. And I let them know that there may be some tough times that you have to deal with in the Army. It's just like a regular job where you may have that boss. They may get on your nerves or you may have a coworker not willing to put in as much effort as you do. But at the end of the day, this will set you up for your career path. It's something that's great for you and it's really going to be helpful in the long run. 
I like that. Finding their why. So you're personalizing it. That's perfect. So with the innovations and different things that are having to be incorporated for the Generation Z, what is the Army doing to really target the younger generation? As we know, younger people no longer go to the malls or shopping centers where the recruiting stations used to be located. Instead, young folks are spending their time in a virtual domain. So please tell me a little bit about the Army's new initiatives or any of the initiatives they are using to target young folks in the virtual environment. So this generation is all about technology and they love social media. So we started being more active on social media platforms. You may see a lot of recruiters or just a lot of RV personnel in TikTok videos or posting their personal lives so we can show them that we are just like you. We are regular civilians. We have lives. We have children. We also have STEM programs, and we try to put out there how we are creating gaming systems and utilizing science and technology and everything, showing them that there are many different games out there. And then we also have these gaming trucks that we bring out and we try to bring them onto campuses so the younger generation can come and check those out. We just try to do our best to keep them engaged by utilizing technology and social media now. So smart, so smart and good information. Thank you for that. So now I wanna hear from Second Lieutenant Rosman. I would love to hear a little bit about your experience working for AUSA as a national security analyst, and then hear a little bit about how it influenced your decision to join the Army. Please do share your recruiting experience. First of all, I would say it was very interesting listening to the recruiter talk about the goals. I had no idea about the numbers and about reaching out to the youth. I wouldn't know where to begin with Gen Z, to be honest. I know the Army certainly didn't reach me through TikTok, but I am 34. (laughs) But I did get to know Gen Z pretty well, being in a barracks with them for three months at Fort Jackson. I would say for me, working at AUSA was what made me want to join the Army. You know, I had my experience in the early Army that was over a decade ago. And it really wasn't on my radar at all joining the U.S. Army. But a lot of the work I did for my Ph.D. was in line with national security. So when I applied to work at AUSA, I really didn't realize what I was getting into and learning a whole new culture, learning all about the U.S. Army. The acronyms were pretty difficult at first. I remember my first week at AUSA, we had a briefing by the former TRADOC commander. And I just was like, oh, my God, I am so lost. I'm never going to survive in this job because I think I understood maybe like 5% of what was going on in that meeting. I just kind of sat there and took notes. But the main thing is that when I was at AUSA, I was working with all of these former officers, former enlisted, and even my battle buddy, the Army fellow, was active duty. And I was very impressed by the caliber of person. These were all stand-up people that presented themselves very well and made an excellent impression on me about the values and character of the U.S. Army. So I think I had a pretty good basis to talk to people and interview people about what an Army career would be like. And I feel very blessed to have had that. And a lot of that influenced me to go and seek out the Army as a future career path. The decision to join the Army is not something that I took without thoroughly consulting and gaming, wargaming it all out with my wife. And I think it's very important what the recruiter mentioned about finding your why, because the Army is going to be difficult and it's going to throw curveballs at you. And if you don't have a why that can withstand those curveballs, you're going to have a very difficult time. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. My pleasure. So our first class, Du Bois, 
It seems like you had an exciting career thus far, but I want to take you back to the beginning of it. What was your recruiting experience like and why did you join the Army? So starting off, I had a basketball scholarship and it was not a full ride. It was a partial scholarship. They didn't provide housing. So I came from a single parent home. And while I was in college, I stopped playing basketball and I had to work. I was working three jobs and trying to function with going to school and doing that. And I ran into an Army recruiter. I never thought to join the Army at all. And when he approached me, I was just like, "Uh, no, I'm sorry. I would never join the Army. And he talked to me about the benefits. And it's kind of funny. He asked if I would take the test. And if I took the test, he would pay for a meal. So I was like, sure, I'll take the test for a free meal. I took the test, I passed. And as time went on, I lost my main job and I did not want to go back home. So I thought about it and just thinking about how it could actually help pay for school. And just knowing that they would pay off my student loan, I figured that that was the best route to take. So I winded up joining the Army. And from there, I was able to continue on with going to school I played basketball for the Army, and it was just like I was in college all over again, doing the same thing that I love to do. I was able to support myself as well as my mother. She eventually became my dependent because she's disabled. So just knowing that I was able to do all of that, I thought I was only going to do four years, and four years has turned into 12 years. So that was pretty much my experience with joining and why I joined. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. I tell you, you've given us a lot for young people to think about. And you mentioned you had to take a test and then you got that meal. So can you explain to us and share with us how does one qualify? And then tell us about this test, this ASVAB, the Armed Service Vocational Aptitude Battery Test. And then there's the OPAT also, the Occupational Physical Assessment Test, as well as any other physical fitness requirements that one may need to enter the Army and succeed. So... In order to qualify, you have to be um, physically qualified as well as you have to qualify for the test as well. So the ASVAB, you have to score at least a 31 to pass. And with the physical portion, it's not a athletic test that you have to do from the beginning. It's pretty much medical questions. And so we ask a bunch of medical questions to make sure that you will qualify. And if you do have any issues, if you've had any type of surgeries, we are able to send up medical paperwork so you can qualify eventually to join. The ASVAB is pretty much basic math and English writing arithmetic. It's high school work that you've done. And a lot of people, when they take the test, we have a lot of college students who come in and take the test and they haven't done that type of math or English in a while and they don't do as well until they go back and study for it. And the OPAT is pretty much the test that you take after you've already enlisted. So the OPAT is pretty much the test as job specific. So depending on the job, you'll know how much you would have to do on the deadlift. You have to do a ball throw, a standing long jump, and a shuttle sprint, which is just a beat test. And you would know how many laps you would have to do based off your job. As far as any other physical fitness requirements, if you were looking to try and get a promotion from E1 to E2 or E3 coming in, you can actually take the Army PT test, which has changed. But for now, we're still doing the two-mile run, two-minute push-ups, and two-minute sit-ups. 
in order for those to get a promotion prior to going to basic training. So it sounds like it's some pretty strenuous tests and it's comprehensive over the course of the time as you come into the military. Were there any adjustments that were made during the pandemic to accommodate for social spacing, et cetera? So a lot of people were lucky because they didn't have to do the OPAT test during the pandemic. You took the ASVAB, and once they started back processing, we were able to send people up to do the processing at MEPS and everything, and they didn't have to go through the OPAT test. So we definitely had to make some adjustments. And as I said, as far as interviewing people, we had to do everything virtually. So all of the appointments were done virtually, as well as trying to get people in by going through their social media, trying to figure out who's online and talk to people that way. Second Lieutenant, we just heard Sergeant First Class talk about all the different qualifying factors and requirements. So I would love to hear about your specific experience qualifying to join the Army. Yeah, certainly. That all sounds like a lot of what I did. So just kind of play by play, I was working for AUSA, which I think made it a bit easier to schedule appointments to go into the recruiting office. I personally like to go in and talk to people face to face and the office was still open during the pandemic. We just wore masks and washed our hands and all of that. But, you know, working for AUSA, they were supportive of me going there or taking a day off to go to MEPS, to do the ASVAB, to do the medical. The medical at MEPS was, how do I put it euphemistically, a bit more intrusive than what I expected, just because my experience in the Israeli army was that since it's a draft and people try to get out of the army instead of the U.S., where people try to get in and it's volunteer, it's just a much quicker process at MEPS. They ask you a couple questions, check for colorblindness, and say, okay, any surgeries? No, good, you're in. And MEPS was a whole long process. It wasn't really that bad. The ASVAB is definitely something that if you haven't done pen and paper arithmetic in a long time, like I haven't, it's probably a good idea to go back and remember how to do it. I remember Googling how to do pen and paper long division because uh, I just hadn't done any math not on my calculator in so long. But yeah, that process was fine. I ended up doing the APFT for the process. And I think the recruitment process to OCS is a little bit different because there's a board. So there's a whole checklist, but the recruiting office was very good at explaining all of that. But I came in to do the APFT. I did it. And then they told me afterwards, hey, by the way, you didn't need to have done it. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I had to go in and do the OPAT, which was pretty interesting. I forget what it's called, but it's like a beep test where you have to run between beeps and they speed up and speed up. That was probably the most strenuous part of it. But I would say it's just to test that you can make basic standards. So if you go in thinking, well, I'm not a division one athlete, I don't know if I can do it. I think that's the wrong attitude. I think most people that get through the whole process and get up to the fitness test part of it are going to do just fine. Thank you for that. So you spoke about your time in the Israel Defense Force. And so I'm wondering if that experience, as well as earning a PhD in international relations, made things a little bit easier for you to transition from a civilian into the Army. I would say the Israeli Army part made it a bit easier. The PhD part, I would say, did not. It might have even made it harder. First of all, it is always fun talking to people. Everyone in the Army asks about how basic training in the Israeli Army is different. 
And I don't want to take too much time going over that here because I could talk for hours about it. But I would say the main difference, and I think this is relevant to people thinking about joining up, especially people that might be married or those that might have kids, is that, you know, in infantry, Israeli army basic training, you get an hour every evening to use your phone. You don't lock up your phone. The drill sergeants don't lock it up. You get an hour called like welfare hour where you can use your phone and smoke cigarettes, which I do not do and highly recommend not doing but it's just such a different mindset. And I think the hardest part about basic training for me, and I can't even imagine what it's like for those who have kids, and there were several in my platoon that did, is not being able to make the phone calls, except maybe once a week at best. Coming in with a PhD is, it kind of makes you doubt what you're doing every now and then, you know, because you're like, you're going to be in basic training, you're going to be picking grass out of cracks in the parking lot and thinking, I have a PhD, why am I doing this? So, you know, it's very important to keep in mind the why and the process and all of that. I also found it really, really humorous. I had a good buddy in my platoon in basic training, and then he followed me up to officer candidate school. And he actually had his master's in international relations, which is what my PhD is in, from Georgetown, who had pretty similar backgrounds. And he kept calling me Dr. Rosman. And I said, hey, it's trainee Rosman, because that's where I'm at now. This kind of humorous back and forth. He kept doing that to me. And then he came to OCS with me and he said, Dr. Rosman. And I said, no, it's actually OC Rosman. And now it's Lieutenant Rosman. I like to think that having the advanced degree is going to help me later on in my career in the army. But for now, you just need to get to learn the process and you need to be humble about it. And that's something that I've been learning very much is that you need to really understand how much you don't know. The army is a complex organization and you want to go in there as a sponge, just absorbing all the knowledge that you can. Great perspective. Thank you for sharing that. Sir First Class Du Bois, you've had an exciting career for the last 12 and a half years, and you shared with us your background, your recruiting experience, and all the things that you've done up to this point. If you had just one minute, what words of advice would you share with the younger generation who are either currently in the Army or looking to join the Army or the military? I would tell them that the Army is what you make it. It can be the best experience of your life by traveling the world, becoming that free, meeting great people, and having a career that can set you up for something that's way beyond your expectations. And the Army affords individuals the ability to transcend their life and change their family's trajectory. I know myself as an African-American specifically, we often speak about breaking generational curses. So I just say, allow the Army to be that hammer for you to break whatever generational curse there is. I like that. As I stated earlier, my family is from Lower Peachtree, Alabama, and my father joined the United States Army. And he definitely paved the way for his children and his grandchildren and so we are very proud of his 23 years served, retiring as a master sergeant. So good stuff, Sergeant First Class. Second Lieutenant, I am going to ask you very much the same question that was posed. You have already shared a lot of wisdom already, but a minute, what would your advice be to the younger generation? I fully agree with what Sergeant First Class said. I think that it's a recruiter's job to do this, but you can't do it enough is playing up how great a tool for social and economic mobility the Army is. You see 18-year-olds that they're making money. The Army allows you to put money away with a new blended retirement system, the Roth, or being able to, if you're active duty, change your uh, permanent resident to the optimal state. And it's just such a great tool for success. 
you can get your college degree through the Army, and you probably should. I think the Army does a really, really good job of playing up that, yes, you're here to serve your country, but you can serve your family as well. Those two goals are not in competition with each other. In fact, the Army wants you to up your potential to boost your education and all of that. It helps them and it helps you. It's a win-win. So I would say that's probably my biggest word of wisdom is keep that in mind. And you're serving the Army, but also utilize the Army because you can definitely advance yourself and advance your family. Perfect. So we're going to go ahead and close, but I do not want to close before saying thank you so much to both of you for joining us on Army Real Talk. You all discussed some great information, definitely planted some seeds, I believe, for future talent. I mean, I appreciate hearing about your unique recruiting experience. So thank you for your service and enjoy the rest of your day. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Matters podcast on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. The Army Matters podcast series is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission to educate, inform, and connect with the total Army, our industry partners, and our supporters of a strong national defense. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Have a great Army day. Hua.